Behind every song is a voice, and every voice is a story. The journeys behind the voices brings life to the music that shapes each of us. Brought to you by Visible Music College and in partnership with the largest online Christian music site new release today, this is Behind the Tunes, and I am your host, Austin Black. Together, we will explore those journeys, the journeys behind the artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Our guest today is Josh Wilson, an introvert by nature that learned to step out of his comfort zone and into God's plan. We'll hear about his musical influences and the always popular rapid fire. This is Behind the Tunes. We're here today with Josh Wilson of joshwilsonmusic.com. Josh, thanks so much for being here today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you. For sure. Now, listen, when I was doing some research, I found some videos and and even, I know you're still doing this, shows and videos of you doing loops. How How did you get into doing loops? So I've been doing uh, live looping for quite a while. Actually, when I got my start playing music, I, I couldn't um, afford to take a band. And I, I wanted to figure out a way to make a bigger sound than I was able to do just with my guitar. And so I ended up getting a loop pedal. You know, I'm a fan of uh, Phil Keggy, and, mm. and he's kind of the master of all that. So I sort of watched some videos of his and, and got some ideas, but uh, started playing in coffee shops and youth groups and bars and all kinds of stuff like that, uh, just me and the looper and had so much fun doing it that it's it's what I do kind of just because I want to now. I mean, I occasionally we'll take a band, but it's my preferred way to play concerts. It's just fun for me to perform that way, and I, I hope that it's fun for the audience to watch. Does it kind of blow their minds every time? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I do think it's entertaining because you get to see a song get built from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You know, I lay down like a rhythm guitar part, and then that starts looping, and then you can play a lead guitar part, a percussion part. Um, and so it's, it's entertaining. My goal is that even if you don't know my music or you're not a fan of my music, that you still will enjoy some aspect of the show. And I think looping sort of provides an avenue for that. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, if you're, if you're listening, Google Google uh, Josh Wilson loops and check it out. It's, it's fantastic to watch. Now, you're in the Nashville area now, um, but home is Texas. Is that right? So I've lived in Nashville for... Um, Yes, most of my adult life, but I did grow up in Lubbock, Texas. That's where I went to middle school, high school, you know, graduated high school in Lubbock. And, but I've been in Nashville um, since 2002. I moved here to go to, to Belmont University okay. and uh, graduated 06. And I have been touring uh, from Nashville full time since 2006. So when you came to Nashville and you're going to Belmont, like, was your goal to pursue a record deal and, and to tour or was it even something else? You know, it's funny. I, I never thought that I would be writing, recording, and touring full-time. I actually, when I first moved to Nashville, I, I wanted to be a studio session guitar player. You know, like when other people are making records, mm-hmm. go in and be the guitar guy. And so I started, you know, I started on that path, commercial guitar, and was in all these music ensemble classes. I was a music major. Um, but I just got really passionate about writing songs, and I realized that, no one was going to hear them unless I was the one singing them. Mm. 
Uh, and so I, I switched majors. I actually switched over to music business to learn more about getting my music out there. And so I kind of, I kind of switched paths from being the behind the scenes guitar guy to being the front and center, you know, singer, singer songwriter guy, which is an interesting switch for me because I'm an introvert and I never really desired to be in the spotlight. And still, you know, to this day, I do this because I feel like, you know, God's given me these songs. I don't necessarily want to be the guy, you know, in, in the spotlight. Like I said, introvert, uh, session guitar players are more suited to that, but I just had a heart for the songs. Did you have to, because I'm the same way, I guess what you call, what is it, a, a extroverted introvert or whatever it goes. Um, did you have to make a conscious decision of, of understanding, okay, if I'm going to take this step, I at least have to adjust my mindset a little bit to to be a little more outgoing or have you just kind of been able to, to to walk that line as an introvert uh it's a little bit of both it's funny when when i first started out i was terrified of what you and i are doing right now so interviews <laughs> mm-hmm. now this was this was 15 years ago so i've had a lot right. of practice and i've it's gotten to where it doesn't make me nervous anymore but when i first started out i mean i would lose sleep thinking i've got a I've got a phone interview tomorrow. I hope I don't say anything dumb and, you know, trying to really prepare for that kind of thing. And, and now it's more just, I, I see it as an opportunity to share my heart and because I've sort of had so many reps of it, it doesn't terrify me anymore. So I think, I think it was a little bit of both. I think at first it was kind of a fake it till you make it, you know, just do it and just be really anxious and nervous about it. And, um, and and like I said, with enough experience, you finally get to the point where it, it doesn't necessarily keep me up at night, but um, I, I do find it to be, yeah, it's just easier because now I just, it's, it's, uh, it's easier to just share my heart and see these kinds of opportunities as a platform to, to, you know, talk about my songs and why I'm, why I'm singing them. Getting here with Josh Wilson. Josh, when you so you, so you go to Belmont and you know throughout that process you decide you know I want to you know write my music and, and share my music with the world and 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 tour. So you graduate, you begin touring around. Those early days, everybody sees now when the when the bright lights are on and and the crowds are big and the songs on the radio, but they don't see the early days when you know you're you're driving six hours each way for, you know, a medium pizza and, and 12 bucks, you know, are there, you know, looking back on those early days, what were those like for you? You know, you, you mentioned playing bars and churches and stuff. You know, were you just kind of taking everything you could, you could get early on? Oh, yes. I was playing like literal birthday pool parties, uh, <laughs> just anything I could get. And I'd say, I'd say most of my shows were either coffee shops or youth groups. Mm-hmm. neither of which really paid anything. Right. And so you're right. It was, it was kind of like if I could sell a few CDs, that would help me cover my, my gas costs and maybe like half of a hotel room cost. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that was definitely when you, when you first start out, you're certainly not definitely not doing it for, for the money at all because there's, there's just not any of it. Um, and I think that's why you, you kind of have to go off of the calling and the passion um, and even to this day, I, I wouldn't be doing this if it didn't feel like this was something I'm supposed to be doing. There, there are careers, a lot more careers that you can make more money than <laughs> Christian music. Um, I'm thankful to be able to do it full time, but uh, but I do feel like it's a it's a a mission, it's a calling, 
um, God has put this on my heart and um, that's why I'm doing it. But yes, when you first start out, I remember one of my very first tours, I played 22 shows in 21 days. Oh, uh, and after those three solid weeks of touring, uh, I toured with a buddy of mine. His name was also Josh. Um, I had made, no, he, we made together $300 that we had to split. So three <laughs> weeks of work, 22 shows in 21 days. And I made 150 bucks. And, uh, <laughs> so that, that's, uh, it's certainly not glamorous, um, especially when you're starting out, but because I'm passionate about it and because it is a calling, it's something I keep doing. Is there one of those scenarios or stories you remember that's kind of the goofiest one of all that just sticks out? And like you mentioned, like a pool style birthday party. I remember when, when I was in a band back in the day, we, we accidentally played a yard sale, you know? And so like, it's, <laughs> like we show up, I was like, what is this? And so the next thing that we're playing and people are like buying other people's junk, you know? Is there one that you look back to that kind of sticks out to you? Is it the goofiest one yet? You know, I've never played a yard sale, but there's... <laughs> You, there could be some unexpected perks there. Like if you're not going to make anything during the show, you literally could just sell your guitar during the people, show. Like, people tried to buy our stuff. They did. We had to like yeah, wave them so down in the set and like tell them, hey, no, that's not for sale. Stop. Get them away from that. <laughs> that's amazing. So I never played a yard sale, but um, I do remember there was one coffee shop I played. I believe it was in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, Rio's Coffee Shop, and nobody, nobody came, like literally nobody. And, um, and I played, I ended up playing the concert for one human person, just one person. And, uh, and it was so funny because they weren't there for the concert. And so it was like, I felt awkward playing music because they were just there to like have coffee. And I was like, Oh man, I don't want to bother this person. But, um, there now don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of shows even now that, are not glamorous that, you know, not many people come and it, there, there are highs and lows at any stage of any career. Uh, but that one, that one sticks out as perhaps maybe my lowest of lows in terms of concert. <laughs> one person, it was almost like you have to like apologize, like, Hey, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to play another song. Right. You know, instead of, instead of saying thank you after the song, you say, I'm sorry, I'm really I'm sorry. Really sorry. <laughs> Next thing you know, you just push a guitar down, you just buy a cup of coffee and sit around and talk to him, you know, just hang out with him. He's Joshua. Well, I, that's, I did. I ended up, we, we ended up chatting together and I did get paid in a cup of coffee. Well, there One you cup. go. There you go. He's Josh Wilson. Josh, you talked about, I guess, guitar was your passion, you know, it, it, seemingly growing up. When What first got you into music? My parents are both very musical. And I'm very grateful that they put me in piano lessons in fourth grade. That was my first experience with an instrument. And I did not like it. Um, I didn't like the discipline of it. You know, I, the, the musical side of it came fairly naturally to me. Um, so I, I could play it. I just didn't want to sort of buckle down and practice and take the time to work on it. But uh, my parents made me sort of stick out that year of lessons and after a year, I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I could play a few little songs here and there, and I started to enjoy playing it. And my dad um, plays guitar, and I always thought that was so cool, and I wanted to play guitar as well. And so he actually let me learn on his guitar. He, he showed me how to play a few songs, and I had another uncle who showed me how to play Smoke on the Water. And it was like after that, I was like, oh, man, I can, hear, I can play songs that I hear on the radio and that's kind of what, what caught me on 
wanting to continue down the path. It was just, I thought it was really cool to play songs that I had heard. And so, so I, I continued to play piano and, and learn guitar and then ended up playing drums in the school band. And uh, from there, it was just, it became, I did it because I enjoyed it. And uh, the discipline part was easier because it was something that I enjoyed. As you were growing up, were you were you writing songs? Were you were you singing? Were you singing in church? Were you performing anywhere? Or because you had to be obviously pretty good if you're getting a Belmont. You know what were you doing there? Just playing in your bedroom or, or or church or what? Well, I was taking guitar lessons in Lubbock from a guy named David Brandon, who's actually pretty renowned. He's uh, he's a very well known and well respected classical guitar player and the fact that he's in Lubbock, Texas is pretty wild that I got to take lessons from this guy. Um, and so I was practicing and learning and ended up teaching at his studio. Um, and I, I didn't get too into songwriting until sort of a few years into my playing the instrument. I was just more, more, uh, interested in learning the songs. And, um, but I, uh, I did have a high school rock band. Uh, <laughs> we were called, we were called remnant. Yeah. And, uh, we were, we, well, we thought we were much better than we were. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it sort of gave me that taste of a little bit of touring. Like we, we go to travel to a few cities in Texas and play. And I just really, really enjoyed sharing music that way. And then I also played in my church worship band. I played guitar and I sang. Um, it was funny because when I first joined the church worship band, this was in seventh grade before my voice had fully changed. <laughs> and I was terrified of singing and squeaking and um so i just played the guitar and then a couple of years later my youth pastor he said you know i'd love for you to sing because he was the one singing and he he asked me to if i would sing and that's that sort of forced me into a role like i said earlier of being an introvert who sort of at the time struggled a lot with social anxiety and uh it was just not my natural habitat but i'm so thankful that he challenged me to, to sing because that's where I sort of honed that ability and um, started getting a lot of reps singing in front of people because I was doing it every Sunday and Wednesday at church. So that's kind of what sent me on the trajectory of then learning to write and um, in college, you know, deciding this is something I wanted to do. You know, you, you talked about your parents being influential and just encouraging you mu- musically, a youth pastor encouraging you musically, a guitar teacher that was very, very talented that really encouraged you. Obviously, we had you teaching lessons and stuff. And this, I didn't give you a heads up on this question, so it may be hard to pick something out, and that's okay. But looking back through those influences and, and maybe others you haven't mentioned, is there a piece of advice or just a, a moment that you remember where they, they spoke something into your life that really just you carried with you? Well, you know, you, you mentioned sort of the the symphony of various influences that are in my life. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just one person that encouraged me um, to, to carry on. It, it was all of those influences, my, my parents, my youth pastor, my guitar teacher. And I, I think for a guy like me who, who struggles a little bit with anxiety and putting myself out there, I think it probably took all of those voices together to kind of, mm. sometimes God opens a door in your life, right? And mm. then for a guy like me, Sometimes he kind of has to kick me through it. Uh, and so God had opened the door because he gave me this musical ability, but I was afraid to use it. And I feel like, um, I feel like when I read the story of, uh, you know, Moses, God's like, hey, you're the guy. And Moses is like, no, no, not me. 
that's kind of how I felt. Um, and I actually wrote a song about that. It's, it's, uh, it's called here I am anyway. And that's the, the premise of it is like, I don't have what it takes, but here I am anyway. It's sort of <clears throat> the advice being to, to do it anyway, to do it scared, to put yourself out there and trust that whatever God, whatever door God opens, he's going to give you the strength to walk through and do what he's called you to do. So in terms of advice from specific teachers, I can't think of anything like any particular line that sticks out except for they constantly encouraged me and said, this is for you. This is something you can do. And um, because I had that support, I think it was what sent me on the trajectory of where I am now. Again, we're here with Josh Williston. Josh, do you remember the first album you ever bought? Thinking back, it, it was either <laughs> Carmen the Standard or our DC Talk Free at Last. All right, all right. So, so that in mind, who are your influences musically growing up? Well, definitely, uh, I'd say my biggest ones are Jars of Clay and Switchfoot because I listened to a mm-hmm. lot of Christian music growing up. Um, but you know, in terms of songwriting, both of those bands um, were very, very influential, both in my musical style, my early musical style, and also in my songwriting and my lyrical choices. Um, so, so those are big influences. And then I'd say in terms of songwriting, John Mayer has definitely been very influential. Um, I got into him, you know, in late high school and into college. And I just love the way he can craft a song. Some of the other like singer songwriter types like Patty Griffin, uh, James Taylor, um, David Wilcox. I just love the storytelling that, uh, just they're so masterful at. And I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near as good of a songwriter as them, but I certainly have been influential on my own writing. If you could open for anybody, dead or alive, and by open I mean like you could just spend the, the day with them, share the stage with them. If you could open for anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Man, I, I'd probably have to say John Mayer he, because he was so influential in my writing and in my playing, you know, he's such a, a great lyricist, but also such an incredible musician. Um, I really respect that about him. So, and, and he's just such an interesting guy. I feel like he always has a, a really, uh, I don't know, left of center take on current events and whatever's happening. So that would be the one. Well, you mentioned, you know, influences John Mayer and Switchfoot and Charles Clay on, on your writing and even more specifically them on just how you write lyrics um, what what draws them to you? You mentioned a little bit there with John Mayer, but what what really drew you to them lyrically to want to model yourself after them and how you write? Well, I wouldn't have been able to articulate this at the time, like when I first started listening to these guys, but I think of a band like Charles of Clay, and Dan Hasselteen's lyrics are so poetic. Uh, they're they're not they're not like on the nose. You know what I mean? They don't, he, he shows you rather than tells you. And I, again, I think that's, that's why I still listen to those guys is I, I, it's just not, I don't know. There, there are certain, certain songs that are just, like I said, so on the nose, so down the center that you, you listen to it and you enjoy it, but eventually it kind of runs out of, uh, I don't know. You, you sort of, get to the bottom of the song and that's all you need of it. But, but songs, songs like these guys, write, I feel like you can sort of get something out of like good literature um, where every time you listen, you hear something new 
Um, and again, like I said, I, I think at the time I would not have articulated it that way. I just think their melodies and music was so good that it continued to, to inspire me and to hook me in. And then because the lyrics are so deep and profound, it continues to do so. Yeah, the, the line you said shows you rather than tells you. I think it's just fascinating of, of, of a way to put that and, and really draws the picture to help us. Like you said, it, it, it's not just telling me something. Oh, that's great. That's a great thought, but it, it puts me on a journey. Um, and I love both of those guys as well. And so that's, I was really intrigued um, of what your answer would be. Well, well, Josh, what's your songwriting process like for you personally now? Well, I um, I keep an, a, a, an idea journal. Um, anytime I am struck with an idea or something that I want to write about, I, I write it down like a, even a, a, a piece of a lyric or a song title, um, and I keep a list. And then for me, I kind of have to treat a, a songwriting day as a, a work day. Like I'll sit down and say, from, from 10 to 5 today, I am going to work on songwriting. And there are some days that I get a song out of that session, and there are other days where I just spin my tires and kind of work on it all day, but I'm unable to uh, – to, to really have anything to show for, but as long as I sat and I and I worked on it, um, I don't beat myself up if I don't have anything to show for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, as there, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to mention a book by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art. I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, but it's been really helpful to me because I used to, um, when I sat down to write, if I didn't have anything to show for it at the end of the day, I would just beat myself up. Um, but after I read the book, it made a lot of sense and it made me realize I'm not the only person that struggles with this because he says, um, a lot of times it's like, you it's like surfing. Um, if you, if you suit up, you get your surfboard and you paddle out into the water and you're ready for the wave. Um, if the wave doesn't come, you don't beat yourself up about it. It's not your fault there were no waves that day. So you couldn't have surfed anyway. Mm -hmm. But but what you did is you put yourself out there where you're supposed to be to catch the wave. And I think inspiration and songwriting can kind of be that way. Um, as a songwriter, uh, you know, I'm chasing the, the way he puts it in the book is we're all we all have a muse and we're sort of chasing the muse. And I think Christian songwriters would say it's the Holy Spirit, you know, we're waiting on that inspiration. And as long as you put yourself in the place to, to be ready for it, um, if it doesn't come, it's not your fault. You were ready, and it didn't happen, and that's okay. And you try again the next day. I thought that was a really helpful way to think yeah, about it. Yeah, that's really great advice. Um, is it hard to be honest in your songwriting? Is that a challenge for you? Because you know that thousands of people are going to hear these songs. And so is it ever like, I don't want to put that in there? Is that a challenge for you or not? <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely <laughs> is because... You know, if you put something into a song, uh, especially as the as the guy who's going to be singing the song you're writing, it's something you're going to be singing for the next, well, for me, you know, since I released my first label album in 2009, so here I am over a decade later continuing to sing these songs. I think of a song like I Refuse, which is a song about putting your faith into action. That's kind of convicting for me to sing night after night after night. Mm. And, and to challenge myself, you know, my wife, um, she always says, sometimes I wish you hadn't written some of these songs because it's once you put yourself out there, you, you're holding yourself accountable to these 
standard, but it's a good thing. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel that way. Sometimes I wish I hadn't put it out there, but I'm glad I did because it provides some accountability. But yes, it's hard to be honest because you're always afraid you're the only one who's struggled with this mm. or you're the only person that wonders about that. And then what I find encouraging is when you, when you do put yourself out there, usually a lot of times folks go, Oh, Hey, me too. I've been, I've been wondering that too, or I've struggled with this too. And I think there's, there's a fear in being honest, but once you are, um, a lot of that fear is, um, I don't know, it goes down because, most people say, thank you for being honest. I feel this way too. I couldn't, you know, I've been struggling to find words to say it this way. And you go, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path here. So yeah, it's a, it's a struggle sometimes to be honest, but I'm always glad when I am. Getting ready to wrap up here with Josh Wilson. Josh, you've been playing live music for a hot minute now. Um, and again, there's these wonderful moments that happen so often in, in live music, but there's also the goofy things that happen along the way. Is there a most embarrassing on-stage moment that sticks out to you? <laughs> okay, I can think of two. One of them was actually on stage, and one was pre-concert. Okay. I toured uh, with Matthew West early in my career, and I was, um, at the time, dating my now wife, Becca. And we, uh, we had a bus call one night, which is just a bus meets in a uh, grocery store parking lot, and all the the band members and artists hop on the bus and you leave and you drive overnight. But Becca and I had a date um, before bus call and she, we went to eat at a restaurant and I ordered fish and had a delicious meal. And um, after the, after our date, I went to the bus, I changed into like my sweats, you know, just comfy clothes for the bus. And I put my clothes back in my bag, put it under the bus bay overnight. And it was, I forget where we were going, but it was really hot and those bus bays get pretty warm underneath. So um, we get where we're going the next day, and close to showtime, I pull my bag out from the bus bay, and some of the fish I had eaten had like flaked off onto my shirt and, uh, and made my entire bag smell like rotten fish. Mm. I mean, we're talking just real bad. Like, so it smelled so bad that it made every article of clothing smell that way and it was showtime i didn't have time to go wash anything and we had a meet and greet which means i had to be in close proximity to people (laughs) before the show and it was so pronounced and so obviously just a terrible smell that matthew when he introduced me in the meet and greet he was like hey this is josh wilson and he smells like rotten fish (laughs) and it 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 was true i did i smelled. he had to address it it was so stinky so that's that is one. Oh, and then the there's tour prank night. Uh, that's kind of a traditional. The last show of a tour, we all prank each other. Well, Matthew West ended up giving me a live goldfish on stage that night. So that was, <laughs> I'll never live that down. And then the other embarrassing one I can think of was there was a show where they introduced me and I ran up to the stage and I, I tripped and fell on my way up to the microphone, which is, it's bad enough to trip and fall in front of an audience. But before you've even said a word (laughs) or played a song, like I've built no rapport with these folks. Uh, It's my first impression is please welcome Josh Wilson and faceplant. Um, So that one was pretty rough too. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Josh Wilson, Josh, we love to, to end with a little rapid fire quickly. 
Uh, and so you got you got your game face on. Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Favorite junk food? Pizza. Favorite color? Uh, I'm gonna go with blue. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? Uh, I might be doing that right now. No I am judgment. a dad after all. That's right. There's no judgment once you hit the dad zone. That's out the window. What was your first car? <laughs> My first car was a GMC Sonoma with a long bed. All right. If the toilet paper is really roll is really low, do you replace it or do you leave it for somebody else? Um, I I grab a new roll and uh, and use that and just leave it on the counter. Right. So someone has to deal with with both rolls when they come in. Yes, yeah, it is, it is almost to a person. The moms that come on the show are like, I replace it. And the dads are like, I, just, I don't. That just never happens. <laughs> I just try, I let my wife assume that Asher, you know, he left the role there. <laughs> That's so. right. That's the best thing about being a dad is you can start blaming stuff on your kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't me. You know, certain smells and things like that. It's like, oh, I guess that was Asher. <laughs> <laughs> In the movie about your life, the Josh Wilson movie, what actor would play you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, that's a great question. I, I'm gonna have to maybe think about that and ask my wife about it. Yes, sir. Uh, one, I don't know any actors' names, and two, that's just too close to home. I'd probably pick somebody that isn't like me at all. Yes, so pass. I'm gonna pass. pass. Batman or Superman? Oh, Batman. Favorite cartoon growing up? Thinking back, that was a while ago. Mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna go with. With Doug. Oh, yeah. Underrated, Doug. I'm with you. What's something you hate that everyone else loves? Something I hate everybody else loves. Um, I don't know why, but I can't get into the West Wing. Uh, my wife <laughs> loves it with every fiber of her being, and it's just I've tried it, and it's not my thing. I don't know. <laughs> West Wing. Hey, West Wing. What's your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie is Inception. Oh, have you? No, I won't go there. We don't have time for that. You're in the circus. Would you rather Wait, are be? Are you going to talk about Tenet? Is that yes, that's what I've heard. Like that's the that's like I got to go see it if I love Inception. Have you seen Tenet yet? Um, I haven't because I'm avoiding shared indoor spaces. Oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, and I want to see it so bad, but but I won't until I can watch it at home. So I'm, I'm with very you. excited about it. I'm, hey, you know we'll have a watch party. We'll do a whole thing. You're in the circus. Would you rather be the person with their head inside the lion's mouth or get shot out of a cannon? Oh, uh, goodness. I'm going to go with cannon because at least there's no other conscious being that is, can decide they want to harm you. I think so, too. I can't get involved with a lion. The last one, you can only play one of your songs for the rest of your life. Which one is it? Uh, what an unfair question. Go, well, it's it's cliche to go with your like current single or most recent song, but most artists would say their favorite song is their the last one they wrote. And I'd go with I'd go with Revolutionary just because I you know that's that's my current favorite. If I had to go with a deep cut, it'd be a song called Don't Let Go. 
All right, all right. And listen, if, if you sing Revolutionary for the rest of your life, it's going to be in my head for the rest of my life because it, it every time I hear it, that song stays with me. And so, again, he's Josh Wilson, joshwilsonmusic.com. Check out Revolutionary. Josh, you've been great today. Thanks so much for hanging out, man. Hey, thanks for having me, and thanks to everybody who's listened. You got it. We'll see you down the road. All right, thanks a lot. You've been listening to Behind the Tunes with Austin Black. Produced by Grayson Rucker. A special thank you to our sponsor, Visible Music College, a music and worship school that trains and disciples students for the music industry and the church. You can learn more about them at visible.edu. And you can reach the show at behindthetunes at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Be sure to tune in next time as we go... Behind the Tunes.